Hello, and welcome to the Silicon Alley Podcast. Super excited you can join me today. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley Podcast. Now on the Silicon Alley Podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs and top performers to understand what it truly takes to grow and scale a business. You'll get actual advice that you can apply in your own business and life. Now on today's episode, I sit down with Tage Singh, a senior sales executive and podcaster. But before I jump into Tage's background and what you can expect on today's episode, if you have not already, please make sure to subscribe and follow the Silicon Alley podcast on whichever platform you are listening or watching this right now so that you get notified when a new episode drops every Friday. And of course, if you hear something that you like, please be sure to share the episode with others and leave a comment. Let us know how you are enjoying it. So today's guest, Tage Singh, spelled T-E-J, last name Singh, S-I-N-G-H, is a senior account executive at Gartner, a global technology consulting firm where he's achieved various accolades and awards for his sales performance. His personal growth and self-discovery journey, though, really started when he was at the pinnacle of his career. Tage had just achieved his dream of penetrating the fabled tech scene in Silicon Valley, and yet he felt there was still something missing. That feeling led him on an eight-month spiritual journey to discover his inner purpose. He's since been part of many masterminds, workshops, traveled to over 25-plus countries, and stayed in different spiritual centers around the world. Tage now works towards living in an integrated life and has a podcast called The Growth Lab Podcast, where he teaches his audience to do the same. On today's episode, we discuss how to find your purpose through what Tage refers to as equanimity and the process of discovering his purpose firsthand. You'll learn how expectations can be our own worst enemy and how to deal with that feeling if you are not aligned with your purpose. Tade shares a number of insights he discovered on his self-discovery journey, including uncovering our five different bodies, the realization that across the world, people are searching for the same answers to happiness, and the impact of interacting with the world through conscious awareness. So without further ado, let's get into today's meaningful episode with the Tage Singh. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate. Caught in a circle saying, I'll never leave this place. Tage, welcome to the Silicon Alley Podcast. Super excited to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, Cole. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is going to be a fun conversation. You've got a really awesome journey that, that we've talked about offline. So I'm really excited to get into that and sort of the transformation that, that you've had over the last number of years. Um, but to start off, can you give a little background and talk about your sort of early career and life and kind of where you where you are today? Yeah, yeah. You and I were talking about this well before the we started the episode. It's you know when you when you start to talk about your life, there's so much that's happened. It's like hard to pinpoint exactly what to cover. Um, but you know, in in a nutshell, I try to keep it concise. You know, I was born in India. Um, and I moved to California at a young age with my family and I, uh, pretty much grew up in California and I've moved a lot. So that's been an interesting thread in my journey. And, um, okay. uh, we'll, we'll absolutely kind of explore that as we move along. So I lived in Northern California for the, for the, for the big part of growing up. And then actually we moved to Alabama for a couple of years. So that was quite a culture shock uh, with my family. And then I lived in Florida for a couple of years, moved back to San Diego, lived in uh, Southern California. And then now I'm with my family here in Indiana. So that's, that's been an interesting track. What I do for work is I work for uh, Gartner. They're a, a research and advisory firm. I've been working for them for, for a good while. I did take uh, a year sabbatical from work um, and I traveled around Europe and Asia for a while. And, you know, what I would say is, is beyond work and what I do, you know, I've been on the path of self-discovery, been on the path of uh, just 
becoming a better version of myself every day for the last five years. The, and that's a really important thread for me. And, and I like to kind of bring that into the introduction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to, I want to zone in on that specifically. So um, where has this, I guess, journey of self-discovery in this kernel started from? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's probably been deep within you, but I'm curious, like at early ages, where did that, where did you start to, to discover that you had this um, yearning to, to go on this self-discovery journey? Yeah, it's interesting because this has evolved, right? Like it's, it's become a different uh, personal growth slash self-discovery journey as time has passed. I would say in early ages of, you know, being uh, in an Asian family, an Indian family, you always have the pressure to be the best, right? Like you have to have the A's, you've got to become <laughs> yeah. that doctor, you got to become that engineer. So that was always ingrained, I've got to be the best, right? So like personal growth at a young age and personal growth in college and even the first couple of years at work was about how can I become the best, right? Like not get that B plus, but get that A, you know? It's like, yeah. how, can I, how can I be that? So that was like really ingrained with, uh, in me from a young age and, you know, just kind of looking at my dad and watching my dad, he's been an entrepreneur for, for a good amount of his life and you know just seeing how hard he worked and always like strive to become better so I think that I picked up on that right okay. and um, and that was a big uh, thread for me and in college um, you know I was kind of following the the parental constructs and societal constructs of you know getting really good grades in college and then getting a successful job um, and then that happened right and and I did uh, start working um, and then when you start at work and you're you're leaving college the biggest one of the bigger things is like you got to prove yourself now right like you got to make money and you got to oh, yeah. get to that that six figure range right like that's what we were sold like you get there you're successful you made it uh, so for the longest time like when I left college, that was my, my priority. And that okay. was really my focus areas. Um, so I, I would say that personal growth at that period was all about how to be successful at work. Okay. Uh, and self-discovery was about that. And then the path afterwards, and I'm sure we'll get into it, it started to evolve from, hey, how can I be successful at work to like, how can I be successful in identifying who I am? How can I be successful in becoming a more integrated person? How can I be a better version of myself? Because after you reach a pinnacle of what you think is successful and that comes for some people, it takes a longer period, right? It takes 20 years, yeah. 30 years and they get to become, you know, they get to all their goals and they're like, wait, <laughs> is this it? Uh, yeah. it for me, it was the smallest <laughs> cycle, you know, and, and I've heard this story so many times, but for me it was, you know, two years, two, three years, but you can say my child, like college as well was around that, but just from a career perspective, the first two, three years, it was that. And then it became, wait, there's more. Uh, so so I'll, I'll pause there and then we can, we can go further in. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And that's a common thread when talking to folks that have, you know, hit external, external um, successes, right? Or achievements, big achievements, people that have sold companies or done that, whatever that big goal is and looking back and be like, okay, I did it, but like now what, you yeah. know? And so yeah. I, I'm curious, so first off, the, the drive. So it sounds like you got a lot of drive from your experiences as a kid. Your dad is an entrepreneur and that, I guess, pressure, as you say, to to be the best. How did that factor into just growth in, in general and then ultimately into you no longer focusing just on sort of that career financial success, but on the, the bigger picture? I think it was the key. It was such an important uh, piece, right? Because I never took it as not 
me, if that makes sense. Right? You never took it for like, oh, I have to go strive to be, uh, you know, strive for this mindset to become the best or really yeah. be the best version of myself in later life. Like it, it was just ingrained in me. So I just took like, I don't know if I just took it for granted. It wasn't a skill that I had to develop, right? Because if, okay. if you've, if in some way, if you've learned, um, you know, if, if you're not so driven, then you're like, okay, what do I need to do? Right. It was just something that was ingrained in me. And I think it manifested in different ways as life moved on. So I think that was the, the drive to become better was always there. And then the circumstances and the channels shifted as time passed, right? As I was saying, like college first and that in Fort Myers in Florida, that's where I started working initially. That was a focus area. And that was my my growth channel, how to be, how to be driven in that. And then it's totally, so I would say that was the kind of the underlying thread that was always existent, but then, it changed as the circumstances changed. Yeah. So talk to me about that. What were the circumstances that started to change that led you to kind of explore growth outside of the uh, career path? Career path. Yeah. So that's, that's a, that's an interesting one, right? Because for the longest time we're kind of taught by society that you, it's, it's sort of a linear path. Like life is linear, right? Like you, you, yeah. you, you get your college degree, you know, you go get that corporate job and then you kind of move up the ladder. Right. And, and a lot of people are kind of waking up to that. I don't think this is a, this news to anyone anymore. Right. Like people are waking up <laughs> yeah. that that's like the societal construct, but a lot of people have a difficult uh, time identifying, okay, if that's the trap, then where do I go from there? Like nobody really has a path. <laughs> so you have to identify it. So for me, like how it happened, man, like I, I started working in Florida in this company, mm-hmm. um, I spent a couple of years there and a lot of my focus coming out of, uh, you know, working in that place was getting back to California to Silicon Valley uh, okay. in SF. And I had almost glamorized being in, in SF. I grew up in Northern California and I had a whole vision of like, even growing up, I wanted to go to college in, in, in the Bay Area. Like my friends went to, like my high school friends went to colleges in, in the Bay Area. So I wanted to do that. And then I wanted to like work in Silicon Valley. Like it was just a whole vision, but my, my, my parents moved to Alabama. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like it just <laughs> never, it just never happened. So like the, my whole journey, like outside of California, it became, how do I get back? Right. Okay. And like, I just didn't want to like fly out, like just come for no reason. I wanted to find a way. And part of what I could do when I started was, a, um, you know, you could get, move into the field um, and you can move in like for the company I worked with, you can get a promotion to move into the field. So for two years, two and a half years that I worked in Florida, my whole life revolved around that. Right. And once yeah. I got that promotion then I moved to SF and, you know, the, the, expectations met reality <laughs> yeah and it, it wasn't the same right like it wasn't glamour there wasn't like this whole like you know how you watch it i mean i think there were similarities to the show that we watch uh on, on the silicon valley show but yeah uh, but as far as like what i expected for it to feel was not the same right because i've okay now i've acquired um you know i've acquired the the six-figure job that i really wanted i'm making good money I've, I've i've gotten that promotion that i was really looking for i'm living in the place that i really wanted to live in so outside looking in everything was just great right like it was great yeah. you and made like, it i made it exactly i got what i wanted but then inside i felt the most empty i've ever felt in my whole life and i went through this period probably like two to three months where i really felt like you know depressed and just really low right like i don't know how i would identify like medically yeah. what i would say to that but just really low like i felt sad like and i almost felt caged in because i wasn't able to share that uh, with my family or my friends, because 
you know, I've told everyone about this <laughs> yeah. for two years. I've been like crying about this thing. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to get to SF and it's going to be awesome. Right. Like, but, I've, yep. but now I'm there and I'm, I don't feel good about it. So yeah. I like, I held on to that for, for a long period of time. So the, the circumstance of that was kind of the trigger. Okay. Go seek help. Right. Like that happened. And I was like, okay, if I can't talk to my family and friends, like, what do I, like, who do I talk to? Right. Yeah. And, and, and luckily, and you can say like life gifted me this, I found a mastermind group based out of SF, um, which was meant for sales professionals and entrepreneurs. Um, and it was, it was interesting because a lot of people there were at the pinnacle of, of in sales, right? Like the number one salesperson at Salesforce in that year. And a lot of successful people uh, were in this mastermind but essentially yeah. they were all like saying the same thing. Like, okay, so we reached the pinnacle of what we thought success was, right? It's different for everyone. Um, Absolutely. But now we're there. So what now? Like, what do we do? Like, how do we become fulfilled in what we do and like what, what to do now? So that mastermind was really a God give given for me because from there I could really explore, initiate the, the path of self-discovery in a true way, right? Like I'm yeah. more than my work because at that time, my identity was mixed up in work. Like my work was me. If I had yeah. a bad day at work, then I was a bad person. If I had a bad month, I was, I was, you know, that reflected on who I was. Yeah. If I had a really amazing month then I was an amazing person, you know, like, so it was so tied <laughs> yeah. up in work that I had to find the discernment. Uh, and that allowed me and it showed me that I'm, I'm a diverse individual with many facets of who I am. And there's so many different components uh, in how I show up to the world. So it's important that I like harness and learn and, and become better in each one of them. So it kind of opened the field yeah. to so many different possibilities and started to explore down, you know, all these different threads. So that, that was kind of the, the trigger point. The trigger point? Yeah. So do you have any, some examples of the expectations that didn't line up between reality once you actually got to San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, so one, it was my personal expectations of like how I was going to feel. Right. Like I wanted, okay. I thought I was going to get there and just like, it just, it was just going to be, ah, like this is an amazing <laughs> thing. Right. Like I've, I've, I've arrived, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it was just kind of made in my mind. I was like, you know, thinking that it would feel awesome. It would just feel great. Um, but it just kind of felt the same. <laughs> like it felt exactly the same <laughs> as I, how I felt when I was in Florida, it was just a different environment and it was mm -hmm. different people I was dealing with. So I would say like, there were good things too, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, not gonna make this sound like it was just a horrible experience. I mean, it was, it was fun in the sense of like getting to work with, so I changed business units, uh, in, in my company. So I was working specifically with, uh, startups uh, in, in Silicon Valley, upcoming startups, pre IPO, perhaps in the, in, you know, kind of close to, um, either, either pre IPO or kind of in that middle range getting to IPO. So okay. it was, it was, it was a it scale was a, phase. Yeah. yeah. Scale phase. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was good in that way because all my clients were CMOs of these companies or, or either CEOs. So I got to meet a lot of amazing people. Um, and then some not so amazing people, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that was really interesting for me because, you know, in some ways I aspired to be like them. Like I wanted to be the CEO of a startup or I wanted to become a leader in a startup, right? And I wanted to have this like pinnacle success. And I thought that was my trajectory, right? That's where I was going. I was gonna work with these people for two years, really learn the game and then perhaps start my own thing. Um, but when I got there, you know, I, I, I probably out of all my clients, there was a hand, like I would say a few that I really respected when I met them. And I was like, wow, like this person is really like, 
this amazing, like, I want to learn from this person. But there were some people that were just like miserable, you know, like they were not, yeah. you could tell they were just not happy. They were just like, they're going about their day. Like, you, you know how you can, you meet someone and you, you get an energetic exchange, right? Especially yeah. when you're meeting them in, in person or even, even over the phone. And I was like, am I, is that what I'm striving for? Like, <laughs> that's not, so I think that was one of the expectations versus reality. You know, it was just like some of that, like, perhaps it is like, it is, some of that is meant for people, right? Like you're meant to yeah. become uh, a, a leader and, and be a, a CMO in a startup, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, but it was like almost seeing reality that it's not so glamorous, right? Like yeah. you still have to like wake up every day. You still have to like do the same things and you still struggle and you still have these feelings that you have right now. It's like nothing really changed. Like your external environment changes, but internally you're the same person that has to deal with your emotions and your, your thoughts about doubts and fears and all this stuff. Right. So like <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was, it was a lot of that. So I would say one was the, my internal, like what I expected to feel. So like okay. once it felt different, that was like kind of the meat. Right. And then the second was like just in, in engaging with people. And again, uh, uh, the notion that I got from having met a lot of people and beyond just my clients, just like, you know, being a part of that mastermind and, and connecting with a lot of people in Silicon Valley, you, you know, I got the energy or the notion that people are just running on a treadmill, but they don't know where they're running to, right? It's okay. like, everyone is starting to like one up the other, right? <laughs> and, and the thing is like, you're yeah. never going to be successful in that, right? Because there's always a bigger cat, you know, like, unless you're Jeff Bezos or like Elon Musk, like, you're going to have someone that's like doing something bigger than you. You know, yeah. and like, and it was just funny because like you would hear the craziest story about people starting their apps and like, it's like, but that doesn't make sense. But they're like, no, no, we're going to build this amazing thing. And it's like, everyone's doing it. But then you see those rough in the, uh, you know, the, the diamonds, right? Like that really, like you, you, I met those people too, that I left inspired and it was like, amazing. You're doing great work and you're aligned with your mission. But there were a lot of people that are just like, they're like, oh, this person's running. So I got to run too, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> so I, I got that notion as well. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of the uh, you comparing yourself externally. There's a lot of that external driven motivation around career and who's going to have the next big app or the next big company, the next big IPO, the next, the next, the next. Exactly, exactly. So you have the mastermind group. You join this mastermind group because you're you're kind of in this low point. You're not you're not you're not happy. You're not as happy as you thought you'd be in in San Francisco hitting your sort of dream targets. Talk to me about the mastermind and then sort of what followed around that transition and focusing on the rest of, of who Tage is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was right as I joined the, the mastermind to some effect, I thought I was like, and I think I fell into a trap where I thought I was going to join this and then I was going to get this silver bullet answer of like what my purpose was. And I was going to just like live the rest of my life <laughs> with my purpose. Right. Like, but I, it was like opening a, a can of worms. Right. Because once you open it, you can't close it. And it was just like, there's so much to explore. Like when you really start to get into personal growth and, you know, becoming more integrated in who you are and work, like there's so many elements, right? Like working through your traumas and your emotional triggers. And like, that, there's that element of it. It's, it's also like, okay, once you work through that, it's like, how do I want to manifest that? Like, if I'm, if I understand who I am, then how do I want to, you know, what, what do I want to create in the world? Right. So it's like, there's so many different components. So once I joined the mastermind, like it opened all of that to me, like there was my, my, my field was broadened so much. I'm like, where do I go? But then like, <laughs> but then it was like, what I learned was like letting go of that too. Right. Because it was the same trap as me trying to get to, you know, San Francisco or me trying to become a CEO of a startup. It was just mm -hmm. like, once I get there, then I'll be happy. 
You know what I mean? Like it was like, there's always that, that um, sort of achieving something will get you happy and you get there and you find out that that wasn't the thing that you were looking for. And like, that's not going to get you the happiness. It's actually just internal happiness that you should always, you know, harness that's yeah. that, that, that should be there along the road and, and respecting and enjoying each part of the journey. Uh, but that didn't come right away. You know, like I'm not going to say that, like I walked in and I was like, all right, that took a long time to harness and it still is a work in progress. It always is. You're always getting back to that. But when I was a part of that, part of that mastermind, you know, I met a lot of um, really cool people that were in the same path. So that was an important element, right? Like the, okay. we called it crew. So the crew was really uh, important because we had weekly conversations while we connected on a quarterly basis where we met for an immersion for a weekend where we kind of turned off our phones and we just kind of like, we were in that setting to kind of identify and figure out what's the next phase of our journey. Um, yeah. So that was a, that was a big element of that too. And then also like outside of the mastermind, I started just like venturing out in different things that really called to me. And that was a new thing that I started doing because, you know, when you're in the corporate setting, you're very mental based, right? You're very much thought based, the logic based in the sense of yeah. like, Hey, I need to do this. So then like the, okay, X and then Y and then Z, and then this is my path and then the five-year plan and this, and then like the whole thing is figured out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's really scary to the logical mind to be in uncertainty and allow uncertainty to be, to be there. Right. Yeah. And then just be in that. Um, so it was really difficult in the beginning, but then I, I had to harness that too, because, you know, we just never know in the first place, like the first thing to realize about uncertainty is we're always in uncertainty. Who knew COVID was going to happen this year? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this year has been full of uncertainties. Uh, and the only thing we have to, to react is ourselves right like how we react yeah. to the current situation is that's the only thing in our control and then obviously we can take action to like support the causes that are out there but yeah. the first filter is like external circumstance internal filter so it's like that's all we have always right so then the, then the path for me became like how do i how do i really get to know myself internally and how do i harness that internal filter yeah no, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, being able to focus on your own response and versus the trying to control everything in your world, which when you're in the corporate setting, that's kind of the whole point, right? You're in sales yeah. and there's so much uncertainty. So it's trying to figure out how, how can you control the sales process as much as possible to get to the end result? Yeah. And then yeah. instead being able to, to be okay with, Hey, there's a lot of uncertainty out there that I'm just never going to be able to deal with. So I've got to, or never be able to control. So I've got to learn how to deal with that regardless yeah. based on how I respond because you know COVID hits and there's so many different reactions that we've all experienced in so many different ways that you can move forward with that um, and that's up to you so yeah. Tage talk to me about this next part because you end up going on a journey and uh, I want you to tell tell that part of the story yeah absolutely and I think it ties into the last um, conversations that we were having about like logic versus trusting uh, and, and surrendering to what's happening, right? Like that's, it's really difficult for us to, to fathom that. So like I had to really go in there and like experience that. So what I ended up doing after about a year and a half of being in this role um, and like really being in this program and we had a trip in uh, Guatemala with the group and it was an amazing trip. And while we were there, you know, everyone was kind of like aligning to what's next. Right. And I um, found out about this program, this company I had been following. 
outside of the mastermind. It was called Mind Valley. A lot of a lot of people that are exposed to personal growth know know about them, and they're essentially a, a personal growth company that invite uh, teachers and coaches for different modalities of personal growth. So you have you know someone focusing on physical, somebody focusing on the spiritual, emotional, mental. So to harness all parts of us. So yeah. I follow I followed them and I listened to some of their stuff, and they actually had this cool concept. And this was I think this was year two of them starting it, and they called okay. it they called it Mind Valley University. So Mind Valley U, uh, they called it. And essentially the concept was all the things that we haven't learned in school and in college, which are like these soft skills that we're talking about. We learn all like the logical based uh, things and we learn how to be sort of a cog in the wheel in some ways, right? Like, okay, to be a cog yeah. in the system, but do we follow our intuition? Do we know how to be, how to show up for our relationships? All these things that we should have learned, but we haven't they were they were trying to do that in this this month-long program and they called it that because it was an ongoing university where they go to a different place for a month uh, in the okay. world right so the first year they did it was in barcelona for a month and the second year that i i attended was in uh Tallinn, estonia right so that's that's where the program was you had to apply to it right so i applied to it right before i flew to guatemala for this mastermind group and i was like you know i if it if I get accepted, I'll figure it out. I'll see if I want to do this. But yeah. you know, I, there's a lot of things that have to line up, right? Like I have, I'll have to you know quit my job, my lease ends, I'll have to figure out my stuff. Like there's a lot of things. But I was like, you know what? Like let me just apply and see what happens. And I got the email back while I was on the trip, and you know, in the trip, like while I was in Guatemala, <laughs> and I was just in this space of like you know when you're around that environment of alignment, and you're just like in 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 space of everyone's kind of like in a really good spot energetically. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. like, I don't know how to like what I'm going to do. So I like clicked on it, bought the ticket. And, th and then I, sh and then I flew back home and I'm like, shit, what did I just do? <laughs> now I got to figure this thing out because that's about like, it was like four months out. I'm like, okay, so my lease ends, but then like, I'm still working. Right. Like, so what do I do with that? And, yeah. like, I had to figure out a plan there. And like, what am I going to do with my stuff? I have a car. Like, what am I going to do with that? So then I had to really lean into that uncertainty and, and trusting that things will work out. And then, you know, obviously it did, but you know, there was a big lesson for me that act of actually leaving my jaw was like, I made it out to be so scary in my mind. It was almost that whole golden handcuffs theory, right? Like it was, it yeah. really felt that way. I was like, shit, I'm going to leave this like, and I'm not going to have a job. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what yeah. am I going to do? But actually like, you know, when I spoke to my manager and I like, you know, I, I put in my two weeks notice, it was such a liberating feeling. And it was amazing because it, it showed me that that's always in your control. Like you're yeah. like, whatever it is that you're doing, you can always like, come out of it and then go back in if, if needed, right? Like that's always available. So I, I left to, to Estonia and it was an interesting place. It's in this place called Tallinn, Estonia. And actually, funny enough, I didn't know this. I've started to really learn about Tallinn. I stayed there for two months, right? And, and I would have never went to Tallinn if it wasn't for this university. Yeah. Uh, I spent two months there and then also it borders, the interesting spots, it borders Russia and then it, it uh, it's across the Baltic Sea from Finland. So that's kind of the spot, right? Like you're okay. not gonna, you're not just gonna show up there. <laughs> you have to have a reason. <laughs> but I didn't know this about Tallinn. There, it actually is considered the Silicon Valley of Europe because it has oh, the most, it has the most startups per capita in all of Europe. Skype came out of Tallinn. I didn't know that. There's a bunch of like 
uh, big tech companies that have come out of Thailand. So it's quite the tech hub. Their government actually uses blockchain already. Like all their uh, citizens have a digital ID, uh, which they can use to vote, to file their taxes and all of that. And you can actually become a digital citizen, which I am of Estonia. So if I wanted to do business out of Tallinn, I can do that right now. You know, it's, it's super, it's That's super cool. Like, yeah. They're like very tech advanced, a lot tech advanced in the rest of the world because, you know, being a small country, they couldn't like flex their muscles through power. So they had to like really <laughs> innovate in technology and adapt a lot of the things that we talk about. And they were small enough to actually make it happen versus, you know, a big country like the United States or, uh, you know, some, some countries in Europe, they can't just, you know, they can't just adapt blockchain. Have, there's so much blue, you know, red tape that I have to go through. Yeah. So that was, that was a really cool thing that came out of it. I was like, shit, I left Silicon Valley <laughs> and I, I showed up in the European Silicon Valley, but it was such a cool setting because it, you know, the, 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 the city itself is this mid-century place. Um, okay. And also it's like a tech hub. It's like very, it's like a quite polarities, yeah. right? But they they come together. So that was an amazing experience. I spent, I spent a month there um, and I met a lot of really cool people. So it was a thousand people from 50 different countries come to Tallinn. And I, I Tallinn, <laughs> it was so, so funny because Tallinn overall, it isn't a, I mean, it, it is becoming a tourist hub, but it hasn't been in the past. So you can okay. imagine like a thousand diverse people in this white country. And then all of yeah. a sudden you just have like people from Israel, from Lebanon, from India, from like, you know, every country just, you can imagine. Yeah. And then it, there's take in this small city too, you know? So a thousand people, it's almost like invading a city, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> so, so that was like quite amazing in that way too. It was just like a unique setting. And I think one of my biggest takeaways beyond obviously the content that was delivered and a lot of the coaches I met, was how, the, you know, a lot of people that came from different parts of the world are looking for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you, I met a group of people from Israel and they lived their whole life in Israel and never been to the States, right? Because usually in the States, you meet diverse people, but they've grown up in the United States. So they, they, they have that kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Um, but having met people from other parts of the world and them having the same vision as I, right? It was like quite amazing to me. It was like, I had this realization that we're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking to like be loved. We're all looking to be accepted. We all want to feel good. We all want to feel happy. Like that's at the core of who we are. Like that's what we're looking for. And then we, we seek it in our external environment, right? Like we seek it in the things that we do. We seek it in the relationships that we have, but at the core of it, we're all just doing the same thing. Right? We're trying to figure this shit out, like, <laughs> and then and 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 get that, like, you know, get those core needs met. Yeah. No, I I love that realization of you know, hey, we're we're all sort of on the same same path in terms of what we all want, and we try to manifest that in different ways, whether it's external career path because that's what is really taught a lot in the United States, or if it's you know some other as like you know other aspect, whatever that whatever that is. So, so what, what, so you, you have this realization, Yeah. how does it affect the way that you approach, I guess, everything or like, you know, life in general, after you have this realization that we're all on this very similar path, Yeah. similar needs. Yeah. yeah. It changed a lot, man. It changed a lot about how I, you know, kind of looked at life because it, my external circumstances and what I did ma- matters. It still does. It really does because, you know, that's like your interaction on a daily basis but then that wasn't the most important thing. It was more about what am I doing to harness my internal state? Like what are the things that make me happy? Like what are the things that bring me joy? Like am I 
because if I'm in that state, then I'm going to obviously translate that to the people that I, that I meet and that I work with or the, that I, you know, have in my family, right? So it's like, it became more about harnessing my internal state than okay. what I'm doing on external aspect. And to add to that, actually, after, you know, after that Mind Valley piece, right, I actually spent uh, about four months. So it was, the trip was about eight months in total. And I traveled in the United States for three years, so a year, about mm-hmm. a year total. Okay. But half of that trip externally was very much so me spending time after Mind Valley, me spending time in spiritual centers. And I actually spent a month in a monastery in Thailand. So like, I really went deep <laughs> to, to identify like, Hey, like, w- what is it that like lights us up? Like, who are we yeah. at the core level? And a lot of that identification happened just like by being quiet and just like turning off the, the noise outside. Uh, and then after that, you can kind of translate that and, and be a different person in the same world. That's kind of what yeah. happened when I came back. But I wanted to mention that because it really went deep. And then I had to like come out of that and then integrate back into the world. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that you did. And I'm curious, have you, have you always been spiritual in, in general? Or was that something that you've discovered yeah. along your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that it was along the journey. And, okay. and what I mean by spiritual is just like not the note, like not religious, like I don't mean religious when I say spiritual, I mean spiritual in the way of like connecting to your inner being, right? And, and part of part of the the, the trip, um, you know, I, I spent some time in this in the spiritual center that taught Kriya Yoga, which Kriya okay. means um, action with awareness, right? And one of the things that they explained is uh, we have different uh, bodies, right? We have five different bodies, um, and essentially what they are is. Yeah, you know, at the at the most gross matter level, you know, we have our physical body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, we have our mental body, which are our thoughts. We engage with with that a lot, right? Like our logical thinking mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> so those are the two two that the, the, those are the two that are the most gross matter where we like know them for sure. Especially in the Western world, we know those two. We engage with them. We go to the gym. Physical body, we can feel. Mentally, we operate and we like function out of that. Now these other three levels were like new to me, so I started to investigate them. So the third level was really uh, your emotional state, right? You like your feelings okay. and like reading your energy and reading other synergy and like really like when you feel an inkling to something but like listening to that in your body and be like is this something that I want to do is this something not that that I don't want to do and really your intuition I would say comes from that right like when you when someone says like I had a gut feeling like that's your intuition yeah (laughs) you know so like that's really I would say in your emotional state um so I, I you know that was a channel that was opened for me and then the number four piece after that is the the higher intellect or your awareness and not in the way that we understand it. Um, uh, The awareness piece is kind of like when you're thinking your thoughts, there's a place in you that's aware that you're thinking something in the same way when you're feeling your feelings, there's a place in you that says like, I feel this, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a higher place awareness that if you're able to find that discernment, you, you know that you're separate from your thoughts because you can, you can hear them. Right? Like yeah. you can kind of like, you kind of dissect them. Like I'm thinking this right now, you know, like there's a, <laughs> there's a place in you that does that. And yeah. then the last, last place is really where the spiritual piece comes, like all of it is spiritual, but where the piece comes in is like your, your true self, like the, the soul in you, right? Like the soul in your entity, the, the kind of the power plug, so to speak, right? Like okay. how does every, how does everything like function is through your soul in my, in, in my experience, that's what I understand it to be. So that's what I'm, so like to, to go back to what you're asking, um, you know, in understanding that uh, the spiritual piece was like really understanding that inner being, 
like yeah. outside of what I can just, you know, that, that the gross matter, like really getting to the, the subtle le- uh, levels of me. So that kind of opened up the spiritual piece opened up through sort of investigating who I was, what was my purpose. And it was like, that was the road to yeah. make that clear. I, I realized it wasn't going to happen externally. It had to happen internally. So the road just j- organically led me there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I like, I like the, those five different selves that you, that you described. It's really interesting to, to think about that. I'm going to have to, I'm, my mind's already racing. So I'm going to have to think <laughs> about that offline. Tejan, in terms of, of taking what you learned on this journey, on the spiritual journey and coming back yeah. into the U S and, you know, uh, back with the company that you're working with Gartner, like talk to me about that and how you have taken what you've learned and are still learning, um, and applying that to your your life today. Yeah, that's beautiful because you know when I came back, when I was this was I think 2018 end of 2018 beginning of 2019. So again, another uh, sign from the universe or how, however you know however you want to call it, uh, when I flew back, so I did this trip. I flew back to I think it was Dallas. Um, okay. so I was in Bali at the time. So I, so the trip about how I functioned afterwards, after Estonia, I like traveled around Europe for a few months. And then I was in Asia for, for a few months. I was in Thailand and Bali. So I flew okay. back. I was like, okay, I'm done with the trip. I'm going to go back to the United States. I'm going to go home to family. So I flew back and then I was in, in Dallas and I posted a story on my Instagram and actually someone that I worked with pretty closely, uh, at work saw that and they were like, Hey, I see that you're back. There's a position opened that you can continue to like do what you were doing before, but it'd be completely remote, right? So like, I know you like to travel, but we'd give you that option. You can keep on doing that and keep on working remotely. And I was like, yeah, like why not? <laughs> and, 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 and that was another like showing that, like kind of going back to what I shared, like, you know, breaking those uh, golden handcuffs, it was so scary to like leave my job because I thought like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And then I was just taking care of it. It was kind of like jumping off a building. But yeah. then when I came back, like, you know, there was like a foam pad just for me to come back and sit on. Like, you know, it was like not scary as I thought it was going to. So, so I started back with my company and then the journey became uh, of how do I integrate uh, what I've learned, right? Like that was really a journey into like last year and, and this year too. And it still continues, right? Like, okay, so I've learned these, these different things, right? About like mm-hmm. harnessing uh, who I am as an individual, but also these spiritual, you know, kind of yogic knowledge, also some Buddhist teaching. So it's like, how do I bring that into work? Like a conversation like this or a, a, a work meeting, you know, like how, how does that happen? And it's, it's difficult, you know, because it's almost, there's a discernment uh, in, in, you know, what you do outside of work and then what you do inside of work, because in a corporate setting, especially in the Western world, we're very, again, very mental based, right? Like we're yeah. very logic based um, and we don't operate from, you know, our emotional body, so to speak, or we don't, you know, we don't necessarily, operate from our higher intellect or higher being. It's all about like, you know, getting shit done, you know? And and that's good because that's, and it's hard to like try and break that up because that's how everything is built, right? Like everything is built from that space. So I would say it was, it it has been difficult, but what I always try to do is, you know, operate from that place, but also kind of be present every time I'm having a conversation. So what what that meant on a practical level for me Mm -hmm. was, okay, I'm back into work doing the same things, but when I show up to a meeting, can I be in a space of connection 
and also possibility rather than a, an abundance, rather than a space of scarcity and like, shit, like I need to sell this deal. So can I make it happen? Right? Like, yeah. so it's just a different space that I came from rather than mm -hmm. a space of like, if I sell this deal, I'll get here, you know, like very, very much attached. So in expectations rather than just like being there for the person, being there for the client and saying, okay, how can I help this person? And, yeah. and that, that will eventually contribute to my success. Right? Like, so it was a different perspective. And then also, on a personal level, what that meant for me on an integration level was, you know, can I show up powerfully uh, in my in my family, in my in my family relationships, mm -hmm. like with, with the people that I love? Can I show up fully in a purposeful way to every interaction that I have? Can I spread joy and positivity and just come from that higher place rather than just like being in my head about like what am I gonna do next? Like, you know, like so it was just yeah. like it was like being very purposeful and intentional. Uh, in every interaction. Um, and then with work, it was like not having my identity attached to work. So if I had a bad day at work, I had a bad day at work and then I move on, you know, and it's, it's easier said than done because you do get impacted by the things that happen, but that's my practice. That's been the integration for me. It's like, how can I take a lot of what I learned and be practical? And it's difficult, man, because yeah, that's not the way that the, the corporate world operates. So it's like, how can you, <laughs> but it's like, but that's almost becomes my purpose in some ways, like how can I penetrate that system? And can I like little by little in my microcosm, you know, impact that in a positive way or change it in a, in a way that isn't done, you know, widely. I love that. I love that approach of, yeah, what you explain and, and man, there, there's so much there that we could, that we could dive <laughs> into. Do you have any examples of, you know, applying, applying that, um, that purposeful intention in corporate world and, and trying to take that more holistic approach and how that's impacted either relationships or just any examples that you have of the the impact that that this new approach has has had on on you yeah absolutely I'm, i've seen it in client relationships for sure you know okay. and also i've seen it in in the way that i handle uh rejection right being in sales you you, you know there's a lot of rejection that you face um, so how it showed up in like relationship with clients is that like I've, I've built some really like awesome relationships with my clients. Like one of my, for example, so one of my CIOs, uh, him and I like worked, uh, it was a net new, uh, so it was a new company that I brought on last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and we started working together and even through the process of like them evaluating the services, we built the relationship in the, in the valuation process. And he yeah. actually told me by the end of it, it's like, I really appreciated that sales process, you know, says no prospect ever, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, but he really appreciated it because I, I, I really feel that I came from a place of service mm -hmm. rather than a place of like neediness, like rather than a place of like, Oh, if I sell this deal, then it's going to pay dividends for me. Like that's going to happen yeah. organically. Right. But it was more from a place of like, can I truly serve this client? And it's hard to do because when you're in a culture uh, over like on a, on a holistic way, like we're in a culture of like, you know, when you're in sales, like sell, sell the next deal, sell the next deal, sell the next dick. And it's not so much about like really harnessing that relationship. So, you know, that showed up in just the process itself and they, you yeah. know, the individual the CIO did decide to come on as a client. And then we had a year long partnership and now quite recently uh, the CIO has left to a different company. Um, and it actually, we still stay in touch. Right? We still stay in touch and we like, he'll text me from once in a while and actually he wants to bring on, 
you know, uh, the same service at his new company, right? So like that showed me that I can still do the same things that I needed to do, right? Like obviously when you're in a corporate setting or you're, or you're, you're doing a business, you're an entrepreneur, you've got to get shit done. So I'm not like discounting that. Like you still have to take oh, yeah, yeah. action, but at the same time, where is that action coming from? Like what space is it coming from? You know what I mean? So like that was the big shift and I saw it as an example in that scenario specifically, like my relationship to this, this client was different because you know, it was, it was, it was not coming from a place of scarcity, you know? And I, and I, and I see it even with my coworkers, how I engage with them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think you said it earlier, it was like taking action with awareness and having that awareness of what you're doing versus just taking action. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that grander intention. Exactly. Tej, I want to, I want to ask you this question specifically. So you, when we first met, I didn't, I didn't know you as Tej. Can you talk yeah. to me about um, just <laughs> like taking, taking back the, a name and like what that represented for you? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually on a different podcast earlier and I was telling the story of how TJ or how TJ became Tej. Right. And, and it's, it's a cool story and it, and it, it's, it's very much encompasses what I've shared thus far. Right. So TJ was um, someone that, you know, like uh, that was the younger part of me. Right. Yeah. And then also when I was in, when I was in college and then the first couple of years um, in, in working at uh, this company and working at Gartner. So like initially when I moved from India, so this kind of goes back a long back when I moved back, you know, obviously when you, when you, when you move here, like your first instinct is how do I fit in? Right. And I was like a young boy at the time, like I was like 10. Um, and it was like, okay, like I talked, I think I spoke to my cousins and it was like, okay, my name is Tej. Um, but then, you know, maybe Tej would be good because then everyone would be able to say it very like nicely, you know, it'd be like easy, easy here. So that was kind of the initial, like the reason why, you know, Tej went to TJ. Yeah. That was cool. Like, that's fine. Like I was, I was okay with that. And then I lived my life that way. And um, even my family called me TJ, right? So like it was, it became, <laughs> it became my name, but then, you know, once I, you know, went to college and once I went to, uh, you know, the first couple of years in Florida, as I was explaining, once I went to SF and I took on this self-discovery path um, and I started to change and become this new person, it was almost a, a, a reclaiming of my name and also an external spell in some ways to say, TJ has now become Tej. And not only does that hold me to a different standard amongst my friends and people that know me, but also holds my, like I hold myself accountable to say now TJ yeah. is Tej. So I left behind a lot of habits that I didn't like about myself, right? Like, you know, the college habits, the partying habits, like all of that stuff. Like I was like, you know, Tej doesn't do that, but TJ did. You know, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a funny, funny saying with my friends in college. Uh, they still like laugh about that. Be like, oh, is that TJ this weekend or is it Tej? You know, like, they still, <laughs> we still laugh about that, but it was, it was one of those things. And, and some people knew me as TJ and some people know me just as Tej. And some people are in the middle where they know both. And I think it's just a beautiful thing where I can go through that and show the world that I've changed and evolved and just reclaim my name too. So that, that was kind of the story behind it. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I thought it was really a really cool perspective. And as someone that grew up as, as William and then in college and early career was Will and you know, kind of go by both depending on where you know me from, I, I just, yeah, I thought that was a, I, that I, I liked your story of explaining sort of how you've, you've grown into that and taken back your name, so. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Yeah. So what's, what does success look like to you? So we've, you've, you've gone on this journey. It's no longer necessarily just career and finances, but when you think about defining success for Tage, what does that look like? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question. Cause I, I ponder on that often, you know, and it, and it, and it changes and evolves. Um, I would say success for TJ 
looked uh, looked like money and uh, success uh, and people recognizing him as, as someone that's made it, right? Like that was success for TJ. For Tage, success is inner peace, uh, equanimity. And I really like the word equanimity because it says you're in a state of, of balance, right? You're in a state of peace and also like you're, you're, you're good with life, right? Like you walk every day and say, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good. Like there's nothing outside of me that needs to happen for me to like just be happy. But at the same time, that doesn't mean complacency. Yeah. means I'm still taking action and, and moving along in life, but I come from a place of peace and come from a place of like, I'm already a success, you know, but I'm still striving for a lot more. Uh, so, so that's like a big yeah. piece of it. And then the other side of it, and it ties in, right? The, the action is impact, mm-hmm. right? So success for me is not making a billion dollars or a million dollars is can I impact a million people or a billion people? Like that's the pinnacle of success for me now, right? So like those two pieces, because, you know, it, it, they go together, right? If I came from a place of like, I'm going to impact a million people and then be happy, then that's the same <laughs> trap. <laughs> it's the same trap, you know, because you're, again, you're, 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 you're counting your happiness or your internal state on something that will happen in the future. Why wait in the future when you can have it now? You know, so like, so they go in, they go in yeah. hand in hand. So for me, success means, you know, being in a state of inner peace and happiness and, and joyfulness. And then, you know, that externalizing that to other people through impact and service and when whichever, whatever I'm doing, you know, little thing, big thing, whatever that is. Yeah. Well, talk to me about one of the ways that you're doing that because you have uh, a podcast that you started that uh, that is one of those vehicles. But talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So Growth Lab Podcast, that's the name of, of, of my podcast. Actually, I was going to start it at that in the trip in Estonia that I was talking about. I was about to start it. and actually took a, there was a person there that I was teaching a course. I took it and I was going to start it, but then I felt there was a part of me that still needed to be explored, right? Like that internal journey was still undone. Sure. So like I, I, I put that on pause and then, you know, through the stages of integration that I talked about in 2019 and this year, it felt like, you know, that wanted to come out of me, like it, the, the journey that I've had and the people that I've met along the path you know, these conversations need to happen, right? Because a lot of people feel um, like something is wrong, but they don't know the path forward, right? So it's like sure. through, through conversations like this, you can say, oh, there's others out there, number one, so you don't feel left out. Number two, it's like, oh yeah, like let me, let me go in and explore certain things or go ask for help to change, change the way, you know, I, I, uh, I operate. And Growth Lab Podcast was, was really birthed from that perspective. And the, the big concept is like, people that are listening to the podcast, I want them to take away one or two things. And the reason I call it lab, laboratory, is like experiment with it. I like take it, try it, filter it through your own being and see if it works. If it doesn't, then it's fine. And that's been a lot of my path too. Like I had to, because there is there is a lot of bullshit out there, right? A lot of people claiming they're the 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 self-help guru and they, they can like yeah. teach you the, the way to, to inner wisdom and, and like you can be enlightened and, and all of this stuff. Um, so it's important to like filter that also. And like, yeah. you know, take it through your through your own filter. So that's kind of really where it like came from. And I felt it was a great channel to to kind of show and share that that purpose that I just talked about. Yeah. No, I love it. I've I've listened to a few episodes and definitely there's you had some really great guests on there and I like the way that you approach the conversation. So if uh pretty much what we've talked about today with your story, you you do a great job of incorporating that into the podcast with your guests. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tage Maybe it's cliche, but I've got a couple rapid fire, some rapid fire questions for you. And 
you know, part of my focus is on financial well-being and trying to help people have the resources that they need to do all the other things that they want in life. And that's kind of how I think about financial yeah. well-being is like that one thing that allows you to go on a trip to Estonia to go discover an X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. So uh, could you describe your relationship with money today? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a beautiful question. And it's, it was, it has been a part of the journey, right. That we didn't really touch on. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be a rap, rapid fire answer. Yeah, it doesn't need to be try. rapid fire. I said <laughs> rapid fire, but please expand. I'll, I'll, try, I'll, I'll try to like make it concise as possible. But you know, money is a very interesting concept for me, right? Because if you think about like money and its history, right? It's always been uh, something that you know, as humans, we decide on something, right? Like gold in the past or even prior to that. And we say we give it value, right? And that becomes yeah. our medium of, of, of energy exchange, right? So the, the relationship I have with money has, has evolved, right? And the, initially, I just wanted to get more money to just have it, right? Like it was about like, oh, like I'll make a million dollars and then, you know, that'll be amazing. And then I'll invest <laughs> it, like, you know? So it's like very much like a very superficial Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was so much so about just like the, the monetary amount and somehow that was going to be the thing that was going to make me like, that was a thing to do. Yeah. Now it's a, it's more intentional, my relationship, right? It's like, I obviously, I still want to make more money. Um, and just being the person I am like that somehow that shows me that I'm like making an impact in the world. Like I think that's connected as well. So the more impact you have in the world, obviously that energy is going to come back again, going back to the concept of an energy exchange. If yeah. you're putting out value and impact to the world, that energy is going to come back. That just, that just, I mean, it's just common sense. It's going to happen. Works, yeah. yeah. That's how, that's how it works. So that's my relationship now. So it's not so much about how can I just make more money to make more money. It's like, how can I be intentional and like grow my wealth through creating impact in the world? Um, and if I'm making more money, that's just showing me that I'm having more impact. Does that make yeah. sense? Like it's just a, it's a pivot there in perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes it, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. You know, I think that's, I mean, from an entrepreneurship lens, hopefully you're building a business that has a net impact on the world. And so if you are successful in that business, that means that you're probably helping people providing for their needs. So, you know, it makes, it makes a ton of sense for sure. What would you say is the best investment you've made? Yeah. So this, this one's an interesting one because um, it's not sort of a, like a, a external thing also, again, it comes back to me. So this, was, this was at the time that this was part of the part of the conversation we were having when I was in SF and I was kind of at a low point. Um, mm -hmm. And then I had to figure out what to do uh, next, right? So I had a kind of a qualification conversation with uh, a salesperson in that mastermind, right? And um, that conversation was, I think, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Maybe we had a couple of follow-ups after that too. Um, but, you know, first of all, it was really scary for me because I couldn't admit that I needed help at the time because I yeah. was a type A sales personality. And I was like, I don't need help. Like, I'm good. Uh, yeah. So that was a I just big, need to sell more. Bit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I just, I just, just sell more. Exactly. Um, but then uh, the, the big thing in that one was it was a big investment. So for just the weekend, mm -hmm. I think it was about $2,500 or $3,000 that I, that I spent just yeah. for that weekend. And for that whole program, it was, it was upwards of 20 K right somewhere in that range. So it was a really expensive program for me. It seemed at the time, right? Like, because I had never yeah. really invested in myself like that, like coaching and like external help outside of work was just a foreign language to me. I was like, what? Like people need coaches. Like, you know, like that's yeah. a thing. I, I was, I was very much not aware of the whole personal growth industry and what that can do for you. So making that decision, that decision to say, okay, I will spend 
two, three K, whatever that amount was at the time on myself was such a pivotal point because it showed me that like the same way that when you invest in a stock, it has comp and interest and it, it increases the same way. Like you, if you save and, and all that in the same way as you invest in yourself, that has a compound impact on yourself too. You continuously become better. And that action was just a pivot point for me. And thus, you know, after that I've spent, you know, thousands of dollars, but it, on myself, but th th more so that I believed and trusted that I deserve to be invested on, if that makes sense. Right. And, and that yeah. was a, a big, um, big pivot point for me. So I would say that was the best uh, investment. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. Being able to like truly, truly invest in yourself and take a, what seemed like at the time, a big risk in terms of a monetary amount and where it's gotten you today. On the flip side of the coin, what's the dumbest money mistake that you've made? Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. So the dumbest, dumbest money mistake. Um, I would say, so what comes to mind is, is all the weekends I spent in Miami when I was in college. <laughs> and also I lived, uh, when I was working in, in, uh, in Florida, I was, I was close to Miami, like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and boy, like I can go back to those weekends. And you know, if, if anybody's been to Miami, uh, a, a weekend is easily a thousand dollars there easily, if not yeah. more. Um, so yeah, all those weekends, I'm like, <laughs> I could, I could get that money back and just be at home. But uh, yeah, I would say that was the dumbest, <laughs> that dumbest. was money mistake. <laughs> gotcha. And what would you say is the biggest challenge facing Americans when it comes to finances? Yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a good question. I think, and then I think finance finances and also the personal growth space goes together in some ways because it's Absolutely. like bringing awareness to, to finances. I think it's one, the, the wrong notion about money. I think that's the first thing, right? Americans and, and a lot of us, I did too, as I'm saying, and you know, it's an easy trap to fall into is just the, the acquisition of money and consuming, uh, you know, uh, things just to do it just because it's the right thing to do. Right. So just like acquire money to acquire money. And that becomes the blind pursuit without intention. You know, so I think that's mm -hmm. the, the biggest financial mistake because it's like when you're intentional with your money, then it, you know, then it's like, it's going to have more impact than it would if, you know, you're just kind of like acquiring it for no reason. It's not going to give you that kind of the happiness that I've been talking about. So it ties in together. I say, okay, no, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, Tage, this has been a, been a ton of fun and um, I really appreciate you sitting down. I want to leave you with the last word and please um, let the audience and let us know how we can support what you're doing and connect with you offline. Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. It's been a, it's been a nice exchange to talk about my journey because I've been on the flip side so many times now. <laughs> uh, I was like interviewing people. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting being on the flip side and, and just observing that and how that goes. Uh, but the last thing I would say is just like, in a lot of my journey, you know, everyone's going to pick out something different. Um, but the thread has been that I've always, you know, kind of pushed myself to get out of my comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Like even today, it's so easy to go back in and say, you know what, like life is just all right. Um, but at the same time, there's always a new thing for you to explore a new channel for you to kind of tap into to bring that you know, bring that feeling of happiness and fulfillment and purpose. So just explore that, right? Like explore that inner voice that might be like there saying, Hey, try this thing. Right. Like, and for me, it came, came up with the podcast that I started recently, like a couple of months ago. Um, so follow that, right? Like that's, if I could give you guys something to like leave behind is like, follow that 
inkling to do that thing that you've been avoiding for the longest time. Uh, and where people can find me, I'm on Instagram, uh, Growth Lab Podcast. Um, also on LinkedIn, Growth Lab Podcast. Or you can find me just by my name, Tej Singh, T-E-J. Last name is S-I-N-G-H. Perfect. Well, thanks so much. Again, this was a, this was a lot of fun. So I really appreciate you sitting down, Tej. Yeah, thanks, Will. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of the Silicon Alley podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Tage Singh. I love Tage's message around the way that he defines finding inner peace and happiness. One thing that really, really stood out to me is the way that Tage described our five different bodies. The first being our physical bodies, the second, our mental body, the third, our emotional body or intuition, the fourth, our higher intellect and awareness of our own thoughts and feelings. And then the fifth, what Tage described as our true self or soul. It's an interesting lens to do some introspective work and to really kind of view yourself if you do some, some self-analysis. Uh, I've been doing that since we recorded this episode, thinking about these kind of five different bodies. And uh, it's been really impactful for me. So I hope that you find that impactful as well. Lastly, please let Tage and I know what you thought of today's episode via social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts calling out this episode. And of course, be sure to share the episode with others in your network who you think would also enjoy it. That's it for today. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley Podcast. Have a fantastic day, and I'll see you next Friday. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate.